The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in. And more importantly, thank you for sharing our shows with you, with others. It's because of you that we're featured all over the world, and we're so, so, so grateful And when you talk about being intentional, wow, who knew when months ago we booked the one and only Will Arntz, who has a new book, How to Suffer in 10 Easy Steps, that we we would be where we are in our world and in our communities and our moments and our private lives right now. Wow. Will, welcome to our show. (laughs) What a topic, right? And what timing to have you um, with your new book, teaching us how to sit in a place of, of suffering. Well, thank you. It's it's good to be here, and it's a, a surprise to me, too, that everything lined up as it did. But here we are, so here we go. Yes, and, and here we go. And <clears throat> I just want to share with people, if you're not aware of Will Arts, and I can't imagine that anybody isn't, but he had a long career um helping the world and making it a better place, and then went on a spiritual path and created the very successful film, What the Bleep. What the Bleep. And many of us found that to be such a life-changing moment and a paradigm shift for our our lives. Um, Will, what uh, what was the idea behind uh, why you felt it was important that that we address suffering? Well, I, I'm, it's not like there was a, a long search and I came to this realization based on years of study and, and uh, inquiry. I kind of stumbled upon it, or rather it, came, it stumbled upon me, I guess you should say. And what happened was um, one evening I was walking through the living room and my wife, Deirdre, was on the couch and she was just laying there, and I said, oh, honey, her back was out. And I said, honey, what are you doing? And she didn't say anything. I said, well, do you want to maybe go into the kitchen, have maybe a Chardonnay or something? And she goes, no. I said, well, what do you want to do? She goes, I just want to lay here and suffer. Mm. And I just stopped because, you know, no one says that, right, like that. And I said, well, you just want to lay there and suffer? And she goes, yes, I, I want to perfect my suffering. And the way she said it, I just started to laugh. She started to laugh. And we know a lot of people in the self-help movement, a lot of self-help books. So we're always kind of making fun of it. And so we, we said, oh, someone should write a book, How to Suffer in 10 Easy Steps. And then we started <laughs> riffing on it back and forth and sort of making jokes about it. And it's one of those things you figure you're going to forget about it the next day. Well, a month later, I'm still thinking about this crazy book, How to Suffer in 10 Easy Steps, it, it, mostly as a satire of self-help books. But the funny thing happened. 
as I started getting more and more into it, I realized that it was this immense subject that affects everyone, and people tend not to deal with it directly. You know, every, you, you run off this, you do this, you do that, you ignore this, you, you try to watch more TV, whatever it is, there's all these strategies to avoid suffering, but the trouble with the avoidance is then the suffering doesn't go away. So that is briefly how how I came upon uh, writing the book and talking about it. And that's so powerful. And I've had uh, the privilege to be at your home, be with you, spend time with you. And we've had a number of conversations related to similar ideas and for there to be such a tremendous self-help industry at times it really feels there's not a lot of self-helping going on (laughs) and and what is interesting to me is how somewhere at some point you know people started using a new language like well there's no such thing as a condition well there's no such thing as you know, hard times. Well, there's no such thing as tragedy. I can't give attention to that. I find that absolutely, well, first of all, it seems so, what shall I say, being kind, uh, lack of intelligence. But, But the other part is that it's so impractical. And many um, movements were created, like the unity movement, based upon a condition. There was a condition there was someone walking through their suffering. And because of that, then they found a methodology, a way of addressing and embracing life that led to new ways of being that led to a movement. So I find it fascinating that people that represent this movement today will use such language as, oh, no, I I don't want to be negative. Oh, Oh, no, I don't want to call attention to it. When you're thinking to yourself, it's all over you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a famous. It's all uh, over you, baby. <laughs> yeah, there's this famous Buddhist saying that people tend to trot out at times, and they say, and it's a good saying, but it's uh, pain is unavoidable, suffering is optional. And you know, people will just you know, you're really suffering about something, and people trot that out, and they say it like, well, th- then you're a failure because of that and there's that there's that implication and also that was part of the thing about a lot of the self-help books is there's a there's often this this tone about it um that is like well i have it together and you don't so just listen to me i i have it all figured out um and you know that tone i don't think is really uh beneficial to people and it doesn't really doesn't really help them and it it doesn't make people feel good so um, I think it's more important to just to uh, look at reality as it is without all the platitudes. Well, and I think from years of wisdom and your practices that that you're very clear and I'm very clear that it's like that statement, we're healed by what we turn towards, not what we turn away from. The interesting thing about it, at least in my own experience, when something keeps coming up, or there was another relationship and then it came up again, you know, or there was a cousin and then it came up again. And it was this avoidance of the, what I didn't want to come up again. 
or didn't want to deal with it, or I had adapted early on, well, I don't want to give attention to this, you know, and therefore it will just go away by itself. But what's interesting is once you admit that you're suffering, and once you sit down and say, I'm going to have a weekend of suffering, (laughs) it's gone forever. After all those years of pushing against it, pretending it wasn't there, acting as if your physiological body doesn't show it on your face anyway, because let's be real, you don't look happy, you know, that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. fascinating how quick it, how quick you can release those things. Well, what I found, I totally agree with you, and that was the thing that when, when Dear Jay said, I just want to lay here and suffer, it stopped me in my tracks because no one says that. No one says that. And so um, I was like, huh, what are you doing? And I want to perfect myself. And sure enough, you know, we started talking and we started coming up with this the thing about the book and joking about it. Now she kind of rolls over. She's starting to laugh a little bit and chuckle at the whole thing. And 10 minutes later, we're in the kitchen. She's having her Chardonnay and the back doesn't hurt. I mean, she got through it because, you know, often, like for me, when I'm, there's something I'm suffering over, then... I get, I just go into it now and I kind of get bored. I got to tell you, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, well, I mean, really, really, this is going to ruin your day. Really? And I just, I'm like, no. And it's not that I'm uh, uh, sublimating it. It's just, I'm kind of through with it. I'm done. I experienced it moving on. So there you have it. And what is it within our humanity that, we don't want to be human. It's almost like that statement that we are spiritual beings having a human experience didn't help us. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because it's like yeah. the great creator that created the essence of anything that we would call spiritual. I mean, it's we're human beings. This is this is how we're created. And what is it within us that wants to deny the way that we're created? Uh, well, that's a that's a question that's a big, for Will. That's a big question. <laughs> that's a big question. I'm still stuck on the we're spirits having a human experience. Mm-hmm. We're spiritual and beings boy, having, are a, we human having experience. a human experience it's right like, now. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, you're uh-huh. having a very human experience and everything is kind of topsy-turvy isn't it it is well i have found that the more i go deeper and the more i deal with those spaces and those moments and those cries the more i do feel connected spiritually and the deeper that I cry. So it's an interesting journey we call life. And when this started with the coronavirus, of course I gave thought to how as a community we would perhaps be impacted. Because as we know, we've gone through several layers but I tell you, I, I thought right away of a lot of those um, room stewards and people that tend to cabins and cruises that that's they're traveling all over the world on a ship in little tiny quarters to support their families in Brasilia and Tanzania and 
I just felt such sadness, you know, for, for them. I didn't want to say, well, you know, it's all in divine order, Will. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, well, this time is really, um, what, what I keep noticing is this time is is really bringing so much up to the to the surface of our humanity one of the things i'm seeing is that um you know a few two years ago as you know our home in uh, montecito was surrounded by wildfire we thought we lost the house then there was the mud slide and we thought we lost the house and neither time did we but what during that time, we were evacuated, but all the neighbors started coming together. And you see this when when you have these uh, things happening in the world, like when the uh, the tsunami happened in Japan and the nuclear meltdown. They said all the people suddenly they started talking to the neighbors they never talked to. And it's so interesting how when something like this happens, it really shakes up our humanity. All the social things that we do, our, our patterns, um, all our routines are now gone. And so what are you left with? And often what happens is you sort of then, you kind of turn to the person next to you and you put down your cell phone for a minute and you say, how are you doing? How does this affect you? And so there's, I think as humanity, we have, a, we have an opportunity now to reassess this crazy life we've been living and, um, you know, say what really is important. And we're, we're not really given much choice as to whether to look at it or not right now because we kind of can't avoid it. Yeah, it's a big, big, huge um, stop sign, you know, or two by four or whatever we want to call it. We're, you're, we're absolutely correct. It's like, here we are, and this is what is happening. And... Um, there weren't really many decisions to be made. They were somewhat made for us, if you will. And so it's opened us into a space mm -hmm. that if we don't allow ourselves to shut down, if we address the moments of how we can suffer and use some of the tools in your book, um, we will be on the other side of this and we will be better paid people. I was surprised that in Catholicism, St. Corona are you aware of that? And it's true. I mean, I researched it. St. Corona is the um, saint for an epidemic. Did you know that? Really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I looked it up last night. I saw people posting it on Facebook, and I went, really? Is that for real? You know? <laughs> so I, oh my God. I looked it up, and it it's listed. It's like, okay, then. <laughs> Boy, mo quote-unquote coincidences <laughs> like that make you think, uh, what's, who's really playing this game here now? Wow, that's uh -huh. pretty wild. Uh -huh. That's wild. Yes, yes. Well, you talk about a chapter, um, Blame God, uh, and your book is fascinating. And I love all your comic things, too. You're, you're just quite a guy. I'm one of your fans. I always have been. But oh, looking at that, um, blame God. What's this? Where are we coming from with that? Well, one of the things, uh, a response that people have um, to suffering is to blame. 
So instead of looking internally, instead of uh, sitting with it, you externalize it. So you blame your boss or you blame, um, you know, the, the, the bad luck of the draw. Or if you're religious, sometimes you blame, you blame God. You say, yeah, how could you do this to me? I'm a good person. Boy, I'm a good person. Yet all these horrible things happened to me. They should write a new chapter in the Bible, Job, Job second. You know, and so do people throw all of the, um, the, the blame for what's happening to them out and blame God as sort of the ultimate because when a, a tree falls on your house and you really want to blame someone so you can feel like you're a victim, then the, sort of the only person left is God. So that's what that's what people that's what people will do. But no matter who you blame or what you blame, uh, what I found is that by blaming, you're first off not dealing with with what you have. Secondly, as soon as you blame something else, you disempowered yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh well, that this happened to me, and I'm just a victim, and it's just a leaf in the wind, which is a very disempowered statement. So as soon as you go into blame, you've gone into disempowering yourself. And that's kind of, you know, talk about digging a hole for yourself, down you go. And it it really shows, um, you know, it shows that you lack respect for yourself. Right? I mean, if you're so quick to, I mean, there are people that that's all they know. They constantly are just blaming the weather and the the thing with the car and the mechanic and the doctor and the ex and the husband and, you know, all those things, that's their, their languaging. But, you know, you live long enough to realize that when you listen to the languaging that people are using, that you're, of course, it's, it's disempowering, but it also says you don't think very highly of yourself, that you're willing to give your power away so quickly and not take any responsibility for it whatsoever. What is another fascinating thing to me and the work that I've been doing for 30 years is that so many people rarely even bring God's name up or would willingly publicly admit that they even know anything about God until something happens. And then they blame the what they don't know and what they don't believe in. That's what's <laughs> fascinating to me. It's like, oh, what a tough position one would be in. <laughs> a creator would be in. Oh, I didn't think you really believed in that. Well, that's all God's fault. Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Let's get clear here on your beliefs. It's confusing. <laughs> Yeah, then there's all the uh, the expressions we've come up with instead of using the G word, you know, the universe, mm-hmm. the all that is, uh, the creator, the the unknowable unknown, you know, all the stuff we've come up with. Um, and uh, I interviewed a scientist once, and he was going on and on about the and coming. I can't even remember the scientific terms he was using, and uh, he just stopped part way, and he goes, you know. Can we just cut the guff and say God? I've come about the non-differentiated, multi-dimensional, non-ordinary, singular aspect. No, no, no. Let's just say God and move on. So there, I said it. God. <laughs> it's a word we we kind of know what it means, and it's easy to spell. It's three letters, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Suffering. Yeah. 
Well, another thing I've stumbled upon as I was doing this, I, I was sitting down to write a chapter on Buddha because, of course, Buddha, I mean, when he became enlightened, is you know, four noble truths, and the first noble truth is life is suffering. So the Buddhists have been on the suffering bandwagon for quite a while, and so I had wanted to write a, a chapter on um, on Buddha. And the title I came up with for the uh, chapter, much to my surprise, was Buddha Kicks the Habit. And the more I thought about it, I started realizing how much, personally, that my suffering was just a habit. It was something that, you know, maybe it's something that maybe starts when you're four years old and you don't get what you want and you scream and yell and cry and no one comes. And so that's a kind of abandonment thing that's in there. And it's now a, you get the neural nets there. You're just in its habitual response when certain things happen. You know, you also call them triggers. Then you go into it. But it's just a habit. A lot of suffering. Now, you know, something really, truly horrible happens. No, it's not a habit. So this isn't everything. But, you know, as I went through, started looking at my life, I started realizing that some of the stuff I was falling into and just suffering, feeling miserable about, it was just a habit that I just tended to go there. And once I realized that, I, as they say, kicked the habit. That's why I said Buddha kicks the habit. That's really powerful. And just as you said that, you brought up a memory for me in my early teenage years of having to carry a conversation inside myself about probably being gay. We didn't use that word then. Probably being a homosexual. And then feeling so different spiritually. I used to have these, um, like these hyper attacks and it showed up like the inability to breathe. And I would be rushed to the doctor and, you know, went through all these tests, but I developed this habit. You're, you're spot on this habit of, I need help, or I don't know if I'm going to be in this world. And I didn't mean, I don't mean suicide. I just mean, I didn't fit. And it was a cry, you know, a real cry for help but not being able to language anything because that was terrifying too mm -hmm. because I could have been taken away, you know, in a little suit um, the rest of my life, a little straight jacket. But, and I, so I, I wanted to elaborate on that a little bit because um, often that is a habit that people get into with, with medication of, um, of, of numbing, of not wanting to feel are the deep-rooted parts of the habits that began with the early days of alcohol. Of course, I became an expert in that, too. So that's another radio talk for another time. But, um, yeah, I think that's so powerful what, what you're identifying with people and to look at those habits. And it goes, of course, not just in things that affect us in a physical nature as far as our health, but... I love, you know, what you're talking about because of, um, well, I look at it in, in spiritual community and what I would say is it's easier for people to develop the habit to get mad about the least little thing and leave and you never hear from them again, rather than taking the time to just say what they would like to see different. Some people live in the habit that you've got to be mad and that can be uh, leaving a spiritual community, it could be leaving a marriage, it could be 
you know, making decisions about who does the kids and all of that. It's fascinating, isn't it? You just hit a button. You got me all wound up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, now that I think of it, it's kind of, I wouldn't say, I'm not quite sure what the word is, but the, the fact that in a spiritual community, someone gets mad about something and then, and then leaves. I mean, I've had uh, two spiritual teachers, um, not not counting being married to Deirdre, which is that's beyond just having a spiritual teacher. That's for um, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, living with her, wow. you know, my my wife, my lover, my everything. So, um, but the other spiritual teachers, it was pretty amazing because it was assumed that if stuff comes up, that's what the teacher's supposed to do. That's mm-hmm. what's supposed to happen in the spiritual path is that stuff's going to come up and they're going to push your buttons and this is how you evolve it was all just hunky-dory and angels playing on harps I'm, I'm sorry but it just doesn't seem much evolution goes on so the fact that you were saying that you know people in, in the community would just get mad because oh well they, they 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 shouldn't have been playing that song so long i'm out of here you know whatever it is is kind of i mean people should just be reminded that that's part of the spiritual path is, you know, if, it, if it's a real one, um, you're going to hit some bumps in the road. Absolutely. And, you know, if you develop a habit that you can only leave angry, then you create that in your life, not just in a community or in an ashram, but in a relationship, a friendship. You know, those are habits that people develop that they kind of hide behind you know, while they're, while they're suffering. We are definitely having a good time today. We're talking to Will Arts, how to suffer in 10 easy steps. And we love you tuning in with us. And you can join me at templehays.com. And speaking of the beloved Deirdre Hay, she is not only an amazing teacher and author in her own right, uh, she is also the Dean of Mysticism with our new Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning. And you can find all of us on illy.org. We're having an amazing journey today as we're talking with Will, and we've got a lot more ideas to bring you and to share as we are looking at how to suffer. We'll be right back with you after this short break. Thank you for being with us. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and all your... Uh, all of you out there, you're in you as intentional spirits, and wow, this couldn't be a better time in our history to have this appropriate conversation about about suffering. And just want to give all of you a shout out and let you know that we're here for you. And the reason people like me and Will do the kind of work we do is um, not to sit around and tell ourselves how much we know. It's it's more about insights and tools that could 
support anyone at whatever level that you are. And during moments like these, it just helps to know that we may not have your answer, but we're going to hold the space that somehow you do. And on the collective, we're going to get closer and wiser. And on the other side of this, there will be a lot of new paradigms. And yet in the meantime, stay close, hang on the ride. Um, don't hold too tight on the roller coaster and we will, we will get through it for sure. Today we're talking about how to suffer in 10 easy steps and intuitively Will got this insight to write this book. You can go to howtosuffer.me or you can go on Amazon and get the book as well. Wow, Will, I'm so glad you're on the show today. Um, and it does my heart well to talk with you today as well. Um, it was not an easy decision to, to close a community um, having been doing this all my life to actually say the doors are closed and yet there will be other ways in which we will open. But anyway, I'm just getting good medicine from you today as well, as I know everyone listening is. Good, good, good. Mm. Well, what, what should we talk about in our second half? Oh, temple. Oh, great one. Well, <laughs> you were, t- <laughs> You were sharing the, you know, the value of, of of suffering and the need. And then I know you want to talk a lot about there's another side to what happens after we suffer. Ah, yeah. Well, the sort of taking a step back, originally the book was How to Suffer in 10 Easy Steps. And it was a satire, really, of self-help books. And I figured that all these self-help books promise you the world and it's going to be easy. It's generally not easy to become a billionaire, and yet there's books how to 10 easy steps to be a billionaire. But I figure my book is the one actually it is easy, and I do deliver the promise because no one wants to suffer, and yet everyone does. So therefore, it must be easy. So I figure that, you know, you buy the book, then I will deliver it on the promise. Now, once we get beyond that sort of um, humorous Oh, and people have asked me, why, you know, why do you have this whole humorous thing during the book, or at least for the first half? And I say, well, it's like in a movie, if, you're, if your character is experiencing boredom, you don't want your audience to be bored. No, 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 that doesn't work. So just like that, if you're writing a book about suffering, you don't want your readers to suffer while they're doing it. So the humor turns out to be a great way to um, deal with it. But after the book, you know, I go through and there's the, um, I have a suffering hall of fame where famous sufferers are in there. But then the second half of the book, it gets a bit more serious. And I have the, instead of the 10 easy steps to suffer, I have the six slippery steps to get out of suffering. And the reason they're, they're, slippery steps is because you have to use wisdom in order to uh, deploy them. And an example of that, um, a good example of that is surrender. Um, You say, okay, something's happening to you, just surrender and, you know, don't fight it and it'll go away. Well, that's true sometimes, but when you think about the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s, 
someone could have said, oh, well, that's just the way it is, surrender to it, you know, that's just, you know, there's nothing you can do. But there are times when you don't want to surrender. You want to do exactly the opposite. You want to say, no, this is not acceptable. I am not going to stand and let this happen. Although there are other times, like right now, where you just have to surrender. I mean, it's like, I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, the, all the, the the stores are shut down. Temple, you've closed your your um, sanctuary. You There is no food on the shelves in the grocery markets. You know, it's it's so weird. Like, I look at these pictures on the Internet of streets in, like, New York. There's these pictures now of Times Square where it's completely deserted. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, what is this? It's like one of those science fiction movies where, you know, the aliens come and take everyone away and no one's left. That's kind of what it looks like. So what can we do in that situation like that? Well, in this situation, you know, one of the things is surrender. I mean, it's it's so much bigger than any one person. It's so much bigger than anything anyone has done that if you're just going to sit around and complain about how you can't go have your Starbucks coffee tomorrow morning, well, I, I guess, you know, you get to do that. But, I mean, there's times when you just got to, you just have to surrender. And I think more or less, this is, at least for now, one of those times. Yeah, and I that's what I really love about the fundamental value of, of your book, because let's address suffering. Let's acknowledge that we're human beings having a human experience, <laughs> which deepens our ability to feel more connected to nature or something, or God, um, hopefully. But let's address it. And if you haven't addressed it, and you never looked at it, and you can't stay busy, and you can't go out, you can't walk Times Square, and you can't go to the bar. Um, what about, wow, you know, like you're saying, well, the things we have control over, this would be a great time to let go of a habit rather than increase it. You know, it'd be a great time to um, make a change, um, find a way to create a gym inside your house as a workout. Um, great time to, to write a handwritten note Um the mail's still running. You know, imagine that concept. Uh, taking mm-hmm. time to thank, you know, five or ten people in your life for uh, being such a difference maker. There's so many things that can be done, but yet you're so right. It's like if one fights it and is resisting it, there's tension, and then from the tension. There's not the opening of, of what new thing could come along or the creativity part of it uh, mm-hmm. during these times. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to, this is my little prediction, I think over the next couple of weeks we're going to see this because right now everyone's sort of reacting, okay, I'm not going to work today, so okay, I'm kind of dealing with it. But what's it like two, three weeks down the line when it's still like that and my uh, my perception about society these days is everyone's on a jag. Everyone's on 7 by 24, busy, busy, busy. Check your email. Check your phone. Have you seen what's happening on Instagram? Oh, let me look at the news. Let me check this. It just goes on and on, and people have been so amped up on just 
checking this and checking that and checking this and checking that, what happens when all those things that they've been doing go away? And I think we're going to see we're going to this we're going to see people kind of losing it because you know you. People construct all these things you do in your life to give your life meaning or to uh, give it some sort of uh, enjoyment or whatever you construct, you construct it for a reason, and then you yank it away. Again, if you can go with it and you can use the lesson, then it's amazing, but it's going to be very interesting seeing how this all plays out. Because one of the things I realized is we've never, in the history of humanity, we have never had an event like this. I mean, talk about the age of surprise, right? We've never mm-hmm. had an event like it. Think mm-hmm. about that. We have 8 billion people or more on the planet, and everyone pretty much right now is experiencing the same dread, the same um, impact that this virus has had. And that's never happened before. I mean, there'd be something in one country or another, oh, something bad is happening in this country. You might know about it from another country, but it's not affecting you, but you still know about it. But this is something that's affecting everyone at the same time. And, you know, if you go that we're all connected and there's a collective unconscious, what this is doing to humanity is unfathomable because it's never happened before so we're this is a very historic thing maybe the first time humanity you know it's like those um science fiction movies the war of the worlds where the you know the martians come and all the all the uh different nations have to work together to fight a a common foe it's kind of looking a bit like that right now, mm-hmm. that there is no common foe mm-hmm. that we all have, and there's no one. We can't really blame anyone. We can't. It's just happening to all of us at the same time, and we're all linked together now at the same time. So as a collective, uh, humanity is really experiencing something that's new. So here we go. Like you said, don't hold on to the roller coaster too tight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for people that were on this mindset that we just want to focus on our one country and they just want to focus on their country and and there's a wall from one country to the next. Um, well, that's a cosmic joke. <laughs> you know, yep. I mean, we are all one. And that paradigm was over a very, very long time ago um, that we are one when the butterfly you know, flaps its wings in Australia. We feel the impact of it here in the States. And um, it's time, I trust and know that out of this, a lot of these old belief systems can no longer even breathe. Uh, I'm not talking about people, of course. I'm just talking about a life of an old belief system that is so dated, you know, and so old. Um like calling people that are 60, you know, the elderly. Um, That's not been a true paradigm in Florida for a long time. And Mm. it's not the denial of age. It's simply that elderly here starts somewhere around 85, 90. (laughs) 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 Which is why many of us moved here. (laughs) Uh, Wow, I've got, uh, good, that's good news. I got another 10, 15 years to go. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, you don't even qualify. <laughs> don't even go there. And everyone listening in, go to howtosuffer.me so you can find out more about the great work that Will Arntz is doing and his beloved Deirdre Haid. And they're just always contributing to society in the most fascinating ways. And speaking of that, you refer to your past book as well. Surprise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I just, you know, want to pat myself and Deirdre a little on the back of this because it was about two years ago that we came out to St. Pete's to your wonderful Unity Church. Uh, we did our show called the, the Mystic and the Physicist, and um, it was about the age of surprise. And we talked about that, and we talked about, you know, this is, we have entered the age of surprise. And, you know, here there are techniques in order to do that. But basically, the big thing was saying to everyone, we're in the age of surprise. And uh, I must admit, I, um, even though I was touting that, I am surprised by what we're seeing right now. So that's the great thing about the age of surprise. You can't predict it. And it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you one way or another. So here we are. Mm-hmm. And and in what, you know, Will is saying as far as recognizing where you are and let go, here's where we are, we're here, and this is it. And we don't have a book, you know, we can't really go watch a, a film that will say, well, this is what happened and this is what people did. On a deeper level, that's kind of the way life is. <laughs> we didn't get an instruction manual for that either. But you can certainly draw from experiences that you've had in your life that you have survived and overcome that in that suffering that at that moment you probably didn't know how you could or that you would ever feel better again or be more alive or have more energy. And I think if you spend some time while you are not going to all the other places and and busy making um that would be a good reflection because if chances are, if you made it through all those things, you'll certainly get through this because um, we're here, right? Well, <laughs> we are here. Well, we are here. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking more and more about the the thing you were saying about you know the we're all one, we're all connected. And I know that's one of these things that, you know, the spiritual people talk about all the time, and they bring in the quantum physicists because of entanglement, everything's all connected. Um, and it's, you know, it's this sort of idea that we have that, you know, it sort of makes, you, makes me feel warm and cuddly and whatnot. But like you said, what we're seeing right now is, a, is such a uh, physical manifestation of that connectedness. I mean, you know... One little virus shows up in China, and two months later, the entire world is has ground to a halt. I mean, that's mm-hmm. crazy. That is so out of the um, ordinary. But it just shows you how how we've you know globalization. We've become so interconnected that that thing about oh we're one. Yes, we're one planet. We're one. We're one. And it's like yeah, we are one. And look, this is this is showing it to us in ways that we can't dodge anymore. And, you know, I certainly hope that uh, leaders and politicians and what whatnot, you know, get the message that you can't just say, well, good for us and screw everyone else, because those days are over. 
that just isn't hap- going to happen in the planet anymore the way it's all set up and wired. So if you're a politician out there listening, there's your challenge. And we hope you are because you could sure use it as far as information. And I, I'm just holding, and I'm sure you are, and I'm sure Deirdre is, that we we will never return to those conversations again because they're just so so old and so tired and do not represent the highest ideals of who we are in our, in our humanity. So um, let's give uh, an example, because I know that you uh, interact with so many people, you know, in your community and things. Um, So a person is um, going through a phase of suffering and it's been something that keeps reoccurring. What are, two or three easy steps of what they can what they can do and be well the 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 first thing is to um just really sit with it sit with it i mean there i talk about in the book i call it the girl in the room that people tend it's 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 in our lives it's affecting us but people tend not to really sit so you know the first step is really you just you just sit and be with it sit and be with it and from then on it's then there's you know it it really depends on on what's happening that's why i have the the six slippery steps to get out of suffering because there's different ones work in different ways um you know one is forgiveness one is forgiveness so you're suffering because um someone who you really loved did something really horrible to you and then moved on you know and then they disappeared and there's this hurt there and you're suffering over it i mean it hurts so um then you have to say okay do i do i forgive this and move on or not and it's it that's a conscious decision and often something like that will take you know take time to work through i mean for a lot of this this is where um you know it's not one quick step it's people have therapists and work work through these things in order to come to grips with what's really going on and there's often you know you again it's therapy where you have to say what's really behind that and it's to go on the the, the path of uh, self-examination but i mean the thing that i finally come to in all of this is that the reason you know, people say why is there suffering well i know that for me when i've made the biggest changes in my life for the better it was in response to uh, uh intense amount of suffering and so the the fact that really it's an opportunity to change and evolve and find out why you're stuck where you are and then move on so that's that's about as many words of wisdom as i have for today so uh <laughs> How did writing this book change you? Well, the big thing was, oh, I should mention that um in, in the early part of the book I have a, a chapter called the pseudoscience of suffering. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm sort of poking fun at, at whatnot and talking about pain and suffering and I have these graphs between the saying how pain moves into suffering and where the thresholds and you know i'm scientific so i do all that kind of stuff but at the end i say any science 
needs to have some metric in order to measure what the thing you're talking about. So I come up with a sufferometer. And a sufferometer is a device where from zero to 100, you, you mark how much you're suffering. And I sort of came up with that, you know, kind of as a, again, this is satire, we're having fun, fun with suffering. So um, I did that, and then I made one, and I put it on the refrigerator, and I started noticing, in fact, I'm looking at one right now on my refrigerator, and I started noticing that, you know, if you have to get up every morning and say how much you're suffering, you'll put a number on it, say, yeah, how much is it? that really, it seems like it would be an easy thing to do. But I found it was kind of difficult. I had to stop and say, well, wait a minute, am I, am I really suffering over this or am I just... And having the sufferometer where you actually every day have to set your dial between 0 and 100 does something. And so I was doing this for the months when I was writing this book. And sure enough, I started noticing this pattern where I would be suffering about something, it just, you know, kind of low-level suffering, not, you know, oh, my God, my life's going to end, but low-level suffering. And then I would just say, well, that's just ridiculous. It's not really that bad. And then I'd move the dial down from 30 down to 15 or something. So that was um, that was the thing that changed me is that I just, as I started not obsessing on it, but just sort of noticing, taking, you know, myself saying how much am I suffering and putting a number on it really changed it and according to Deirdre I've been in a better mood since so there you go (laughs) that's powerful right but yeah yeah, I I totally get you because it's not over generalizing you know just from a statement just a just a real strong affirmation about where you're at if you have to really stop and think about it and look at your sufferometer, it's like, oh, okay, I think I'm blowing it out of proportion a bit. Uh, I just had a, uh, to just side note, I just had a, a warm fuzzy as I just realized that um, you were in my office at my house working on this book. And that just gave me just a warm feeling <laughs> that in this tiny little small part of the universe that I got to be part of this wisdom for a few minutes because I just um, as I told you then and I I still feel the same way now I I just like you did with the film what the bleep I feel this is leading edge I feel it's powerful I feel like everybody needs to have a copy and send five copies to their friends and family and it's not because I have just a connection with you Will it's because this conversation is so necessary and we have created in so many ways with the self help industry actually like a another level of guilt and shame that you're not okay because you're having a freaking bad day right do you know what i mean and um and that the whole intention i know was not that but it has become well unless you rid yourself with you know these two steps or or from my you know thirty thousand dollar workshop you're still feeling bad then you're the one you're doomed you're destined you know that kind of stuff it's like um I join you in knowing there's a, 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 a definitely a, a different answer and an answer that uh, within that uh, people can find and a, a new uh, GPS system, a God personalized system to kind of guide and navigate your mm-hmm. life. You are always such a pleasure. And certainly I always love having you on the show. Thank you so much for your 
energy and your your time today. Again, everyone, go to howtosuffer.me. Join me at templehays.com or firstunity.org. We love to serve and to connect, and now's the time for us to stay connected in many different ways. And Will, give us some parting words of wisdom. The parting words of wisdom. (laughs) Well... Oh, what's the beep? Oh, no, I ran out of time. <laughs> no, oh, you still get to turn to the person next to you and kiss them, but I just realized <laughs> I'm not supposed to do that right now. Air kisses, air kisses. There we go. Sending kisses through social distancing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> who, who would have ever thought? Oh, maybe, maybe that'll be the next book. It might be. It very well may be. I know one thing for sure. There certainly will be one um, that you will be doing because you're just getting started with how you're impacting the universe and and you've brought so much good already. And I I know I, I represent so many people on the collective to say thank you for the film, uh, life altering for all of us. And we see this book as being being the same. Great. And thank you for having me on, Temple. It's always been fun. So, um, And, yes, I just did remember when you were talking, sitting in your office doing some writing on this book. So there you go. Comes full Absolutely. Circle. You take care, my friend. We'll talk okay, again real too. soon. Bless you, everyone, on this incredible journey. It's still so great to be alive. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.